for the propaganda redo assignment, I chose five different tactics of propaganda that are considered, in my opinion, unethical on the continuum. The five tactics that I chose for this podcast are name-calling, bandwagon, appeal to exclusivity, big lie, and reciprocity. So the first one, name-calling, to explain this a little, labeling is always unacceptable, which is what name-calling is, because you end up creating a stereotype, even if they have a negative connotation. So it doesn't matter if it has a positive or negative connotation. Um, Even if it has a negative connotation, you would still be creating a stereotype. All nonetheless is unacceptable. And then to bring up, ironically, labeling something as propaganda is name-calling, actually. But nonetheless, language labels carry powerful weight, especially if the audience does not understand or doesn't really care or receive well how appropriate it is, and if they completely miss it. So, for the um, strategy that I would implement to uh, make this a better tactic would be using compliance, which was already discussed in this chapter. So for compliance, there are three little um, factors that contribute to bettering the entire tactic of name-calling. Concern, control, and scrutinize. So primarily, I would let them know that I care about labeling and why we should not label names to an idea or a person. Secondly, I would wield a positive reinforcement, not negative, a positive reinforcement to balance the connotation, like the negative connotation of name-calling. Lastly, I would observe the target afterwards to see if they still name-call on things like social media platforms such as social media or um, even advertising in campaigns or advertising in general. A good example would be PTSD survivors are mainly war veterans. No one else really has it. That's name-calling. That's that's labeling, as I said. Um, Because you're saying that only one demographic or one group of people is allowed to have a mental illness and no one else is supposed to have it or no one else is allowed to have it. Contrary to this opinion that is upheld in society, um, more and more people are actually coming out, uh, coming forward about their uh, different different kinds of traumas, such as sexual assault, harassment, rape. Um, there are, there are many different, even even death. There, as long as long as you are exposed to um, a an immediate death or a um, violent incident that happens there is definitely a reason for trauma may not be ptsd but there is a reason for trauma so the problem with name calling here is that you are excluding someone from having something that they are definitely allowed to have and then you might be even be shaming someone if they actually have the condition and now they feel that they can't have it So, that would be for name-calling. Secondly, 
bandwagon to explain it a little it's a, com- a common a common thing about bandwagon is like everyone else is doing it so why aren't you this relies on conformity which is pressuring people socially that means that i don't think it's moral at all it's not moral at all to pressure someone because that's i i think that to me that's a form of manipulation and whether it's physical or not um whether it's tangible or intangible pressure it's still considered manipulation and manipulation at all costs is immoral and unethical to me so actually portraying the person as being preferred by most people so that others support it too is what bandwagon is um the problem with this is that it doesn't show all sides This is what the media is like. If you're watching something like CNN, you're only seeing one side. You're only really being presented to a progressive or like a liberal side. If you're watching like, I think it's Fox 5, Fox News, um, the other one, um, that one's more Republican and doesn't, has more conservative views. So, uh, the media, in my opinion, is a very good example of that bandwagon because you're portraying one idea that's being preferred by what their public audience is. So to fix this with using my compliance strategy, I would let them know that I care about peer pressuring and why it is morally wrong to force someone to conform to something. Secondly, I would wield a positive reinforcement to balance that negative connotation of the media. And then thirdly, I would observe the target, the media, afterwards to see if they still pressure others into doing things they don't want to do. A primary example of this in contemporary society is everyone else vapes, so why don't you? Well, I don't want to vape. (laughs) I think that's a simple answer to bandwagoning. But um, instead of this answer, I would say I would let them know that I I care about the peer pressuring, so I, I care about people that do vape, however, it's morally wrong to ask someone why don't you just vape. It's that's wrong to ask someone that because you're con- you're asking them to conform with something that they may not be comfortable doing. Then I would um, observe them afterwards to see if they still uh, approach people with this question to make it seem like they're cool or something. Well, however, whatever their intention is about asking why everyone else, why don't you vape if everyone else does. So the third. Uh, unethical tactic is appeal to exclusivity. So to explain this, exclusivity makes products more appealing, and but it doesn't show the real image. There could be some editing done, photoshopping, or even the direct camera angle. Uh, there's something that is going to be excluded, which is why it's called appeal to exclusivity. Uh, the recommended idea is only for most selective audiences, like a higher demographic. For example, like, um, rich or, you know, the majority, like, white, etc. So, to implement my compliance strategy, I would let them know that I care about the product or idea that they're trying to, um, appeal, like, have the audience appeal to, but I would show them another side to it. I would show them that there is, there is indeed the opposite side, and there is also other sides to it. You know, my side, your side, and the right side, as some people say. So let them know that there's another side to it. I would also wield a negative reinforcement, not positive in this case, 
to show the other side, like I said, which may often be the bad side. Then lastly, I would observe the target afterwards to see if they are, ex- they are still excluding things for the sole purpose of making someone look good or something look good. A common, not really common, but I think a popular product uh, these days are iPhones. So people say you should buy, well, I guess iPhone enthusiasts would say you should buy this iPhone 12 instead of this iPhone 11 because it's better. Well, I have the iPhone 11 and my boyfriend has a 12 and it's not that much different. He just needed a new phone because his wasn't functioning well. Um, There is no difference between the iPhone 12 and 11. Um, I think it's the same. So appealing to exclusivity, this would be an appeal to exclusivity because it's saying, well, you're you should only buy iPhones here because, you know, they're iPhone enthusiasts. There are so many other phones in the market. There's Androids, like Samsung's. There's also um, Google Pixel. There's there's other phones out there. Google Pixel? Oh, yeah. There are, there are other options out there. So that is what the exclusivity is. The fourth one is Big Lie, which is untruth in hopes that when people hear it enough, they will believe it to be true without any proof. So, this is saying that the more often a lie is repeated, the more strongly it's believed. And that it's going to be hard to change that myth after. So, my, to implement my compliance strategy, I would let them know that I care about discovering the truth and revealing it to everyone. Then, secondly, I would wield the negative reinforcement, again, to those that use a big lie and carry on that stereotype. And then lastly, I would observe the target after, you know, the receiver after to see if they are still spreading rumors or lies about something that isn't true. So my example for this one, people think, people commonly think that, well, gay people act really feminine. So you can tell when a guy is gay, um, which kind of makes me uncomfortable because um, that's obviously that's not true. And also, um, it's not just guys that can be gay. So, when someone is using- this is not just a big lie, this is also- I think this is also an exclusivity. Um, this is a combination of exclusivity and then I think name calling too, a little bit. Labeling. Because you're labeling gay people as feminine. Not all gay people are feminine, and then also not all females are gay, so- And also, it's not just guys that are gay. So, wait, the- yeah, not all guys are not females as women. So, to say that gay people act really feminine isn't true because you, there are many people that do not act feminine. Or, and there's also the, the, the stigma of what is feminine, what is acting like a, f- a female, like, you know, being dainty and wearing nail polish and mascara. So, um, then when you can, you can tell when a guy is gay, you can't really tell when a guy is gay because you, he, could, you, he could be dressed like a, f- a normal um, male, and you wouldn't know if he was gay or not. Unless he told you. (laughs) So. The fifth one is reciprocity. This is the last one. Um, this is giving something to the target and then expecting them to feel compelled to accommodate you or accommodate it. And this is actually, I noticed this is the, um, one of the techniques from the other assignment. Um, the um, pre-giving technique where giving someone something in advance in expectation or in hopes that they're going to give you something back. 
Um, this is not good. This is immoral to me because the person didn't want it and maybe didn't even consent to receiving it, which is very important because these days you need consent. No, all the time. You need consent, not just these days. You need consent all the time to um, do something with someone else, even if it's just giving some someone something. Um, and then they definitely don't want to give something back if they didn't want to receive it. So my compliance strategy would be let them know that I care about the thing that they are giving. Then I would wield a negative reinforcement, since this is the last negative reinforcement, if they try to ask me to give something to them. Then finally, I would observe that target after to see if they still compel or manipulate others into thinking that they need to give something. I think a, I thought of a good example for this one. So this would be a message from a business uh, that that I might have that you might have bought some a product or a service off of once before once and i think i think you get these like messages or calls or emails all the time so they say something like i'm sending you these flowers or whatever it is as a token of our appreciation for you or a coupon or something i'm sending you these flowers or coupons as a token of our appreciation for you but here are some problems we have with our current business or here are some um new offers that we're putting on the table so this is this is reciprocity because they're giving you something and expecting you to use it within like the next i don't even know how when when coupons expire like a month or something they expect you like with tarte the makeup brand they um give you like for your they give you like coupons for your birthday and then they like tell you you have a week to spend it and then like you're like compelled and it's like a 40 percent it's not even like a major coupon it's like a 40 percent like coupon and then they expect you to, to spend it in the next week. Like, well, I have a month for my birthday, so I don't need to spend that now. But nonetheless, um, these are my five um, unethical propaganda technique tactics. And hence that I explain them why they're unethical. And I chose to do compliance to um, engage in the persuasion part.